Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and I am really excited to be joined early in the new year by the Chief Economist at RBC Global Asset Management, Eric Lascelles. Eric, Happy New Year and welcome back. Same to you, same to your listeners, and thanks for having me. Now, of course, on so many fronts, we're hoping that uh, 2021 is a better year than 2020. Although when we look back at investment returns for 2020, it ended up being a very good year if we, if we put that very narrow focus and lens on the year. But of course, the start of a new year, everyone's thinking about what is to come. And so, Eric, when you look at the global economy in 2021, what do you think are, are, are some of the things that uh, investors and individuals should be thinking about? You know, Dave, there's certainly risk, and of course, there's always uncertainty, but I would say our our base case forecast is for a pretty good year from a growth perspective. You know, one of the things that happens after a deep, deep recession is there's lots and lots of runway uh, for rapid growth. And so to some extent, that does define 2021. We we think uh, real GDP growth numbers will be four and five and six percent, the kind of numbers you do not normally speak of. That's maybe two or three times uh, what might be considered normal, of course, coming off an extremely low base. That's the whole story here. Uh, and when I think about the, the broader story, I, I view, you know, the U.S. finally got its fiscal stimulus. So this is a positive that helps certainly over the next several months. Uh, you know, the U.K. got its Brexit, but also got a, at least a small Brexit deal. And so diminishing the damage there, I guess you could say. Uh, you know, this year, we think, is, is the year of, of recovery. We think maybe even more centrally, this is a year of, of vaccine and vaccination. And so, uh, you know, we've got vaccines now. They're starting to be distributed. I'm sure we could both uh, do a laundry list of all the, the failings and underwhelming uh, rate of inoculation and so on. But uh, yes. the bottom line is we've got these, these vaccines going. Uh, it is credible to say that quite a lot of vaccination should be happening uh, over the span of the next several months and certainly over the span of the next year. And I would just maybe flag the idea that we should start to see visible effects from that quite quickly. And so, for instance, to the extent that the most vulnerable people get vaccinated first, as they should, um, so that's the group that's dying disproportionately. If we can get that group, the people who are 65 plus people with high risk vaccinated over the next couple of months, which is an achievable task. In theory, the fatality rate goes down by a factor of five as of a couple months from now. And then you pivot to the the high contact people, people working in jobs that don't allow proper distancing or living in settings that don't allow that. And that takes a few more months to get through, I think. But that's the group that's transmitting it. And so conceivably, the transmission rate goes down a lot at that point. Maybe that leaves you and I and other remote workers that waiting for a vaccine and to some extent, that is a key consideration for the economy and allowing everything to open back up. But I think we're going to see some pretty big dividends fairly quickly from the vaccination, even before we hit that herd immunity that we're all hoping for. So that paints a, a fairly positive picture. Uh, what, what would you highlight as, as some of the key risks? You talked about the, the, the virus and the vaccine. Uh, of course, we're taping this on uh, the morning of January 7th. Uh, yesterday, January 6th, we saw what happened, just the stunning scenes coming from Washington uh, in the U.S. Uh, around transition and still the carryover from the election. Are, are there anything people should be, you think they should be looking out for from an economic perspective in terms of risk going into 2021 and beyond? 
Sure. I, th- I think a number of things to think about, and I guess starting with the events of yesterday as we record this. And so, I mean, that was a surprise to see people uh, people entering the Capitol building as they did. But I guess I would say we know there's an enormous amount of, of political divide in the U.S., so that element is not a surprise. doesn't look as though the transition of power is, is realistically going to be impeded in any way. And so Joe Biden is set to be the president on uh, January 20th. I mean, I would say that the, the, maybe the bigger news of economic relevance yesterday to me was less what happened uh, at the Capitol and more what happened in Georgia and the idea that the Democrats now appear very, very likely uh, to control the Senate. And granted, it's a, a razor-thin amount of control they have, and, and the checks and balances are such that it's, it's far from an unlimited menu of, of options for Democrats. But nevertheless, I think that's maybe the thing we think a little bit more about. And you, know, you can really debate either way, whether that's good for the economy or, or bad. I mean, checks and balances and, and a divided Congress often is a good thing. So to some extent, that's been lost. Uh, Democrats probably, though, do more fiscal stimulus, and so that will be welcome and, and is purely an economic positive. Uh, on the other hand, some more regulation. I know tech companies are a little concerned about antitrust uh, efforts, as an example, uh, and you know, conceivably higher taxes. So it cuts both ways. I would say maybe that's a mild negative uh, net, net for markets sure. when, you, when you get right down to it, but, but, but not a shocking outcome and something that was actually expected before the November election. And then just to broaden it out, uh, well, in terms of other risks, I mean, certainly this new variant out of the UK seems to be spreading quite quickly and making controlling the virus in the short term more challenging. That doesn't necessarily map directly onto GDP. It's more you know, what the restrictions are. But you can certainly imagine that presenting a problem, and maybe there could be a spring wave, as there as there was with the Spanish flu. And yeah. so you know, that that's an issue. And then just with vaccinations, I mean, we feel fairly optimistic. Uh, and, and we we think that's a reasonable expectation based on the efficacy rates and all the things that we've seen. Uh, however, let's recognize expectations are sky high. You know, what, what would be an upside surprise for vaccination? We expected 95 percent and it was 96 percent. What would be a downside surprise? We expected 95 percent and, hey, it doesn't work on the new variant and it's actually only going to protect 50 percent of the people. So there are some ways in which vaccines could prove less powerful or, or, or more you know, more challenging to distribute, as an example. So there are some ways this this could go wrong, but we feel pretty confident this should be a year of growth, it should be a year of fairly rapid growth. And even if a few of these things get in the way, maybe they change the timeline a little bit, but they probably don't stop that narrative altogether. As an example, with the second wave, we've seen, of course, countries shutting things down, and that does some economic damage. And we've looked to Europe, particularly since they've done the most shutting down, and there's economic damage there. We do need to brace ourselves for a little bit of extremely near-term economic damage, but it's literally an order of magnitude less damage than we saw last spring. It's just far fewer sectors getting closed, businesses and people much better at handling that kind of thing. And so even if we are in for a you know, bigger second wave or a third wave later, uh, these aren't things I think that ultimately interfere with that broader narrative. You, you mentioned uh, Europe specifically and, and, and where it could struggle uh, for, for a number of reasons. But, but as you look around the world, are there, are there any parts of the world that you expect to, to lead in a sense or show particularly uh, strong signs of economic growth? Yeah, you know, I think there's two elements to that answer. And so one really is just rubber ball economics, which is what goes down, kind of bounces back, and whoever fell the furthest bounces the highest, just in terms of reclaiming what was lost. And so actually, by that measure, we, we, we do expect the fastest sheer numerical GDP growth numbers out of Europe and the UK because they fell so far uh, in 2020. And so I guess that's one answer, perfectly reasonable answer, I think. And you might make some similar claims from a financial market perspective, but I'll, I'll stick to my knitting and stick to the economics 
economic side, I guess the other answer is is just recognizing that uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic hasn't seemingly hit emerging market countries as heavily in terms of the actual toll and the economic impact. And you know, among all, and maybe of relevance as, as China becomes ever more central, both from an economic and geopolitical perspective, but also from a MSCI composition perspective, you could say, you know, China uh, has dealt with this. It has virtually eradicated the virus. It's got its own vaccines. It plans on vaccinating 50 million people over the next month. Its economy wouldn't say it's quite completely normalized, but it is very significantly normalized. And so, uh, you know, there's a big economic engine in the world that's looking quite normal right now. And so I suppose from that perspective, it's good for global growth, but it's also interesting for investors who maybe don't necessarily want to deal with the Will the vaccines be great or not great, or will there be a second or third wave? But there's parts of the country, of the world that are not actually playing that game right now. Well, I, I think if we learned anything in, uh, in in 2020, it is to expect the unexpected. I uh, I never, never, ever envy your role uh, in terms of trying to pull this all together and make sense of it. Very, very few do it better, uh, if anyone. So, uh, Eric, thank you for uh, for that outlook for 2021. Uh, and a highlight of some of uh, the, the areas of strength and the areas of risk. And we really look forward to having you on uh, several times through the year. So thank you very much. Thanks so much.